Welcome healers. Before we get started, as always, I would love to invite you into this podcast episode, taking a deep conscious breath together. As we find a posture, activating the spine, sitting up straight, taking a deep breath or deep inhalation through the nostrils, filling the belly, inflating the diaphragm and opening in the chest and then opening the mouth, exhaling, sighing it all out. Really bringing us into the present moment, inviting in consciousness and a sense of openness to a new experience, not just of the mind, but of the body as well. So without further ado, let's get started on this week's episode. Welcome back healers to this week's episode, episode five of Feel the Heal with Daisy. I've been really excited to bring you this topic. I've been working on it for a couple of weeks and I finally decided I'm just going to bring an introduction into this topic. It's a very complex topic. It goes deep into many layers of our unconscious, and it can really go as far as you want to go into the unconscious. So I really just want to bring an introduction of this topic, how to do shadow work and what is the shadow self. So on our previous episodes, episodes two and three, I really went into the topic of self-awareness, self-acceptance, and self-expression. So shadow work and the shadow self really ties into this. And we've already started to touch on this shadow self in those previous episodes. The work and the discussion that I did in episodes two and three is really going to help connect you more to this episode as well. So if you haven't listened to those, I really encourage you to go back and listen to those and really allow yourself to develop a little bit more awareness of self because that's going to help you understand this topic of the shadow self a little bit better. In the previous episodes, we have come into contact with our ego and I've given you a lot of prompts to try to identify and connect make contact with how the ego is personal to you. We each have our own ego and it is very relative to the person. It's very um, unique to each person because we all have different life experiences and we have different influences that external influences that have influenced the development of our ego, which as I explain what the shadow self is, you're going to understand how, our ego and how it's personal to us is going to affect our understanding of our shadow self. So again, just go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't already. And this week, we're really going to start talking about the shadow self, a very brief introduction. And I want to mention why the shadow self is so important in this work of feel the heal for me. Feel the heal is all about this authentic expression about embodying. That's what this whole journey is for me. And what I want to bring to everyone is embodying our authentic expression. It is that essence to our core of 
who we really are and what, who we came here to be in this lifetime, why we came here and what we wanted to express and bring to the soul, the collective evolution and to our soul's evolution. So all this life is all about healing and transformation and growth and connecting back to that soul self that we all are at our core. And it's about peeling back these layers that we've built up either in this lifetime or these energetic layers that we have built up in previous lives or through ancestral chains, which I'll go into much more detail with those topics later on. But this is really just about identifying what we are carrying with us that is not authentic. And we're going to get, we're going to talk about how the shadow relates to that because beneath the shadow or within the shadow is that authentic expression that we want to really get in touch with. So I'm going to go into just briefly what the shadow self is. And then I want to talk about different ways that we can identify it more fully. I want to try to bring you information to how you can connect to it with yourself. Again, this is like the ego. Um, The shadow is very personal to each person because again, all of this, all of our conditioning, all of our trauma, all of our layers of self that we need to move through are based on each individual's personal experiences. Each individual's traumatic experiences, each individual's conditioning from childhood, each individual's ego and how they've identified themselves. So I want to try to bring you information that's going to allow you to connect more fully and give you some examples of how you might identify your shadow self. Okay, healers, let's get right into it. What is the shadow self? This term shadow self or shadow work was first introduced to the West by Carl Jung. It was introduced in a very psychologically based way. So if you look up Jungian psychology, you're going to find a lot of reference to shadow work and the shadow self. In his work, it is very based on the mind or the shadow being an aspect self connect in connection to the mind and psychology. So it's more in reference to our personality and character traits and psyche, which is all very relevant to shadow work itself. However, shadow work can go much deeper. And the other thing I'll say about Jungian psychology and shadow work is His reference to shadow work is also in connection to the ego and into childhood. So in his work, it is the belief that the shadow self is developed in childhood at the same time as we are developing the ego, as we are developing these conditioning, this conditioning from outside influences. So I'm going to go into further description of that in a minute and how that, how the shadow develops. 
But first, I do want to mention that shadow work is much deeper and it does go beyond just the mind and psychology. Their shadow work has been around for centuries. Ancient shamans have been doing shadow work in healing and transformation as as far back as we know in in ancient civilizations. So the shadow self can is is also aspects of self that are not just of the mind. It's it's an energetic aspect of ourself all related to the unconscious. And so it doesn't necessarily always have to do just with our personality or character traits. These can be energies unconscious energies that have been brought into this lifetime from previous lives or from ancestral chains or ancestral trauma. And once I explain this a little bit more, that might make more sense to you. Um, But again, like I mentioned, I want this to be a very introductory episode on shadow work. So it's going to focus more on the Jungian psychology ideas of shadow work, but with a brief introduction to the shadow self in deeper layers. And again, this is the shadow self is connected to the unconscious. So I'll go ahead and explain what the shadow self is. The shadow is the unseen, the repressed, the denied and rejected parts of ourselves. So when we look back at episodes two and three, when we discuss self-awareness and acceptance and expression, as we've cultivated this self-awareness, you may have began begun this journey of making the unconscious conscious. So you're already beginning to integrate the shadow self because the shadow is the unconscious aspects of ourselves. And the thing is too, you began to make contact with the ego. So we can be very unconscious of the ego. Now the ego and the shadow aren't exactly the same thing. They aren't the same aspect of ourself, but to me they coexist and they go very hand in hand. So if we go back into childhood as an example, an inner child work, which is another term that you'll heal, hear a lot in this healing transformation journey. I'll have a full episode on inner healing work. It'll be a topic discussed through and through along with shadow work, just because it this all goes in hand in hand with connecting to our inner deep inner wounds, our deep unseen parts of selves that need healing, that need attention. So Coming back to the ego and the ego in childhood, if you think about way back in your childhood and and connecting with your childhood and the influences, the experiences you've had in childhood, your oldest memories in childhood, these are all going to reveal to you not only where parts of the ego developed, but also where parts of the shadow self developed. I'm going to use an example. So let's say little Johnny, a young boy, grew up 
And he's naturally at his core, his core self, his soul's expression is a very sensitive being. He's very emotionally intelligent and very connected deeply to his emotions. But what is common in the West is to, and, and it's not necessarily intentional, but what do, what's a lot of the narratives that we project onto young boys? You're tough. You're strong. You're brave. You're, you're, um, don't be a crybaby. Oh, you're too sensitive. These are all narrative projections that we might make onto a young child or just to anyone in general. But in this example, we're projecting these narratives onto this young boy. So let's say through his childhood and early experiences, he naturally is expressing himself authentically where he may be coming off as emotionally sensitive or very expressive or what others may label as dramatic. But when he does that, he is not received. He is told you're being too sensitive. You're being too emotional. You're not being strong. Big boys are strong. Boys are tough. So he automatically starts to form his ego, his self-identity around what other people are projecting onto him. So his, his ego self might start to identify and label. So the ego and shadow are all based around judgment, labeling, and attachment to certain ideas. So he's going to start labeling things as good and bad characters or aspects of being that are good and bad. So based on the experiences he's having, he might start to label being emotionally expressive, being sensitive or having a, an emotionally sensitive reaction to something as bad. So what he'll do is he'll start to repress that part of himself. He'll start to deny that emotional nature that he naturally has that those emotional sensitivities. He might be highly in tune to others' emotions, but he starts to repress that and deny that aspect of himself because his ego has identified with being tough and associating being tough with not accepting that characteristic of being sensitive or emotionally expressive. So basically he starts to say, when I'm being, mo and this is all, of the subconscious mind. So he basically starts to say to himself through his experiences, it is not safe to express myself emotionally because he has not been received by it. And he has started, his ego has started to label it as a negative quality. And so that is where the shadow self is born. The shadow is the emotional sensitivity that is natural and instinctual in this child, but he has started to repress that. So it still exists within him. It isn't completely gone. He has just began to not deny it. And so what happens is it gets pushed. This aspect of himself gets pushed into his unconscious mind. That is the shadow self. Now, this the shadow self can be developed in many different ways. See, if this young child was raised in a family where 
the emotional expression was very supported and really embraced, then that aspect of who he truly is may never get repressed or that shadow aspect of himself may never form because he doesn't reject it. So again, describing the shadow self as the parts of ourselves that we reject. And it's important to understand that this is all based on judgment. And as we learn to integrate the shadow and start to do work on the shadow, it's about releasing those things, releasing judgments. I want to give a couple more examples of the shadow and the ego. So based on the example I just gave you, we now understand how the ego is formed. The ego is the way that we identify ourselves. It is our self image. And again, like I mentioned, the ego is constantly resurfacing through new life experiences, even through, even through this journey of healing and growth and transformation, this journey of spiritual growth, our ego can identify with positive qualities or what, what is seemingly a positive quality. But regardless of what the ego is identifying with, it is identifying based on judge it, judgment and labeling things good or bad. And when we do that, automatically we start to repress things based on a false narrative of judgment. So an example of this is So an example of the ego beginning to identify with a seemingly positive quality. And again, the ego is all about judgment. So it has judged and labeled something as good or bad. So let's say the ego has identified with this positive quality of being independent. So a person has become highly identified with being independent emotionally, financially, uh, in a career setting, just very, very independent. And their ego is based on this image of themselves as being independent. Well, what happens is the aspect or the parts of them that actually need to depend on others gets rep repressed and denied. So the way that this might show up in this person's life is They've become so highly identified with this independence that their natural, their fundamental level of being that is dependent is rejected. And inherently, we are all dependent. It is human nature to depend on our partners emotionally for emotional support, to dep depend on friends for emotional support, to depend on employers and places of business for financial exchange or energy exchange with money. So no matter where we are in life, we are inherently dependent to some degree and in some context. 
But this person has labeled dependence as bad. Their ego has. And again, remember, this is all of the subconscious and unconscious mind. So they're not conscious. They might say, oh yeah, I'm a very independent person. But beyond that, they may not be conscious of these behaviors. And the way that that gets translated is the shadow part of themselves. The shadow that is then projected is the aspect of them that is actually dependent. So the way this person might show up at work is when they actually need help with something because their ego is so identified with this independent image and manipulating the way that people see them as independent when they actually need help they deny that. They deny that aspect of themselves that needs help, that needs assistance. And so what will then manifest or begin to happen is they don't accept help. They don't ask for help. And then, so the shadow is projecting an experience of where they need help and they might actually get themselves into some trouble because They're not asking or depending on assistance of others when they may need to. Another area that this might manifest in their life is in friendships or in personal relationships. They've chosen and their ego is identified as being highly independent that they never allow themselves to be emotionally dependent on someone in a healthy way, in a way that is positive, that makes for positive connections with others. Again, this is just another example. If I go back to the example of the emotional sensitivity child who then later in life has decided that they will not embrace that part of themselves, that they have rejected the sensitive nature, it may end up affecting their relationships and their capacity to be vulnerable in relationships. So this young boy, once he gets into relationships, with someone um, in an intimate way, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, as soon as things get vulnerable, as soon as things get emotionally intimate, this person might pull away and it creates a toxic or negative pattern in their life. And the whole point of all of this, the whole point I'm making with this is for us to see The shadow is the unconscious. The shadow is the part of ourselves that we have denied. So this person has denied his sensitive nature, his need to express himself emotionally. And so he is then experiencing negative patterns in relationships. And he may not see that it's actually based on the fact that he has denied an aspect of himself. And this person who is highly identified with this independent characteristic of being may not realize that the troubles in their life, when they're feeling overwhelmed, when they're feeling that they're not supported or when they're making mistakes because they're not asking for help is actually based on the aspect of themselves that is not willing to receive help. So the point I'm making in all of this is the shadow self is not all, it's not a negative part of ourself. It's not a negative aspect of being. It's the actual labeling 
and judgment and then rejection of self that creates negative experiences and magnetizes negative energy into our life. It's important to understand that within the shadow, within the unseen parts of ourselves, the underdeveloped, that is where we get in touch with our gold, we, where we get in touch with a source of empowerment, a source of power and authentic expression. Now, before I get going a little bit further with that, I want to roll back to what I, the two examples I just mentioned within those labels and those highly identified ways of being, you may see that these people have a distorted life experience. So I want to talk about a couple examples of shadow labels how our ego may identify something as good or bad and how it can start to cast a shadow. It can cast the shadow self. So I've talked about the the boy who's emotionally sensitive, but he has denied that aspect of himself because the ego has made this label of weakness in regards to emotional sensitivity or vulnerability as being weak. This is a very common one in Western culture, especially with men. Needy, being needy or independent, dishonesty, being too much or too confident. So someone who might be outspoken, eccentric, confident, or different, when they're not received, when they express themselves authentically in a eccentric way or very confident, or like I said, someone who's very loud and outspoken, if they are told over and over and over and they and they have been conditioned to believe that they're quote unquote too much, they're too loud, they start to reject that part of themselves. They start to deny it. And so they lose that, that gold. They lose their vibrancy. They lose their confidence. Lot, so another example is Someone who is maybe very artistic or creative, if they go grow up in a very logical or pragmatic home, the environment which influences them and influences their ego's development is influencing them in a way that is showing them being logical, being pragmatic, focusing on your into intellectual development is more important than fo- focusing on your creative expression. So this person who's creative and artistic might start to repress and deny and reject that aspect of themselves. And it can be a very positive thing, a positive characteristic in this person's life and in within themselves, but they've denied it just based on their environment. So the shadow is cast based on how the ego starts to form, identify itself. And it's all based on our external influences in childhood. So doing a lot of childhood work or really going back into childhood can help you identify those things. So again, I I started to discuss the consequences of the shadow, which create 
distorted view of ourselves and others. So again, this person who's been highly identified as independent has a distorted view of themselves because they've rejected the aspect of themselves that actually needs to depend on others. And then they've maybe labeled others as um, people that they cannot depend on. And so they are losing out on this really beautiful opportunity to have a relationship with others that has a healthy level of dependence and exchanging of support. It affects, so in that way, the shadow self can affect our relationship with others. We can form toxic patterns and coping mechanisms. So again, a toxic pattern is, you know, for this person, not accepting help at work, not asking for things when they need help. The, the child who has suppressed their emotional sensitivities, they have trouble in intimate relationships. They don't form deep bonds with others because they refuse to be vulnerable. Toxic coping coping mechanisms. Well, someone who's naturally sensitive, emotionally sensitive, and is denying that expression may end up feeling a deep sense of loneliness because they're not able to connect authentically with others. They're not embracing the aspect of themselves that's highly emotionally intuitive. And so then they end up being maybe feeling and experiencing life as a very dark and isolating place. And when you're experiencing life that way, you can develop toxic coping mechanisms, isolating more, maybe using um, you know, using substances as a form of repressing these parts of self even more, mental health struggles. When, the more we deny and ignore and repress aspects of ourselves, that's when we feel more disempowered, which will then cause dis-ease and discomfort. So there's many consequences. And the thing about the ego is we as humans throughout childhood, we we have felt we have the shadow has developed and the ego has developed through experiences of being disempowered through conditioning, through our environment, uh, in, in times that we have felt unsafe being our true authentic self. This can also be a result of trauma when we experience things and we were not able to be our authentic self in order to survive. Our ego is also the aspect of ourself that's here to survive and bring us this, this aspect of our self that's trying to survive and exist in our environment. And so the ego wants to control everything. But by doing this, we're desperately trying to avoid discomfort and uncomfortable feelings by filling our life with distractions and vices and co toxic coping mechanisms, we develop toxic relationships. We develop, you know, addictions and things like that because we are perpetuating the exact experiences that we're trying to avoid. So we perpetuate fears, trauma, 
painful experiences because we're denying ourselves of the opportunity to be seen and heard. And until we learn to embrace the unseen and denied parts of ourselves and until we learn to integrate our traumas into our life, we're going to continue to perpetuate our pain. So this is why shadow work is so important. And what shadow work truly is, it's just the integration of the shadow self. It's about embracing and holding space and allowing the unconscious to be made conscious. It's about taking ownership of the parts of ourselves that we've denied and that we've rejected. It's about embracing the negative traits that we've developed as coping mechanisms, as false senses of safety and acceptance. So the parts, and again, I say this is so relative because what is actually a positive way of being for one person might might be a negative way of being for someone else or not negative, but just not authentic. And so I, a part of integrating the ego is about releasing these judgments, releasing these labels, not identifying something as good or bad, but just embracing it and somewhere within it, trying to find your own truth. And when we've done it, haven't done this work and we've, we've pushed things into the unconscious for so long, when we first start to make them conscious, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard to sit with these things. It's going to be hard to release our attachments to ways of being that felt safe to us, that felt safe to the ego. But on the other side of this is where our true freedom is. It's where our true empowerment is because it's where we connect to our authentic expression. So I want to go into next how we can identify our shadow. I've really gone into a lot of deep explanation of the consequences of the shadow, the the different labels of the ego and how the shadow gets cast. I've talked about what the ego is and what the shadow self is. So I'm, I'm going to take a break really quick and then we're going to go into how we can identify the shadow self and how we can begin to integrate it. Okay, healers. So let's talk about how we can integrate and how we can do the shadow work. How do we identify our shadow? So again, if you go back to my episode two and three of feel the heal with self-expression, self-acceptance, and self-awareness, this all goes hand in hand with shadow work. So becoming self-aware is inviting a level of consciousness into ourselves, into our reality that was not previously there. So already we are starting to see the unseen. That is integrating the shadow. When we self-accept, the opposite of self-acceptance is 
self-judgment or placing labels and judgment. So again, what I said about shadow work, the shadow is a result of us putting judgment and labels on ways of being, which then creates the ego. So once the ego is formed, the shadow begins to be cast as we deny parts of ourselves that we have decided are bad or not good. So self-acceptance is about releasing these labels, releasing these judgments and attachments to certain ideas and just being open, just being open to experience ourselves in a new way without judgment, without shame. This is another aspect of integrating the shadow because we start to shed light where the shadow is and to embrace these parts of ourselves that we have rejected without creating a label on them. And again, like I said, the shadow is a result of these labels. And then I also discuss self-expression. When we get more in touch with the ways that we would like to express ourselves, we are also getting in touch with the shadow self because there are parts of our expression that we have denied, thus creating the shadow. Okay, again, the example I used was this young boy who is denied being an emotionally sensitive person because he decided it was bad. So then that was the shadow that was cast, but it is part of his true expression. And when he, when he begins to integrate that back into his life, shed light on that aspect of himself there within it, there within the shadow is his gold. It's his empowerment to learn how to form these intimate relationships and fully be vulnerable. And some, a lot of times, and from my personal experience, some of the very parts of ourselves that we have labeled bad and repressed end up being the parts of ourselves that we feel most empowered. But it's not until we truly hold space for it and then practice expressing those parts of ourselves. It's, it's not, it's not, a journey without discomfort because when you have, when your ego has been so highly identified with a certain way of being and has perpetuated a narrative of this is what is safe. So for an example, for me, I'm a very eccentric person. I have a very loud personality that's very different from the mainstream. And I've always repressed that part of myself. For as long as I can remember, I've repressed a lot of that part of myself because I was always trying to fit into the norm. I was trying to blend in with others around me, but blend into my social settings and social groups. And by doing that, I always felt disempowered. I never felt fully accepted. And I was denying this part of myself that was very eccentric and very different And it wasn't until I started sitting with that and learning how I truly like to express myself, seeing the the parts of myself that I, I wouldn't allow myself to embrace before, and then telling myself it was okay, releasing my ego's need to be identified with what it had decided was safe or not safe, or what it decided, what it labeled as normal. So releasing those judgments, I finally started to get more in touch 
with my true nature of being. And it is the very thing now that makes me feel so empowered. But it was a long journey of giving myself permission to express myself in those ways. And the other thing about that is now when I am in fully embodied in my self-expression, I feel fully received. My connections to people are so much deeper than previously because I, because I'm allowing people to connect with my truth, who I truly am, not a filtered version of myself based on the ego. So coming back to how do we identify the shadow self? When we are living, when we are just so disconnected from the unconscious, when we're so disconnected from areas of ourselves that we have just denied and repressed, the more we reject these parts of ourselves, the bigger the shadow is going to get. And the more we're going to magnetize these, this negative energy into our life and these toxic patterns and behavior, because we're just repressing, repressing, denying, denying, and we're just attracting like energy. The more we shed light on the shadow, the more we embrace it and integrate it, the smaller the shadow gets. We're never going to be without shadow unless you reach this full state of enlightenment that is consistent. And I, I'm not saying it's not possible. I just don't know anyone that has, has reached that point of just pure enlightenment. I believe that part of the shadow and the ego is just a natural part of our human experience. Ego, like I said, is always going to resurface and it may cast different parts of the shadow throughout different parts of our life. But as long as we're connected to this journey, we're not casting these huge shadows that are just directing our lives in a negative way. The more we integrate the shadow, the more we embrace it and the more we commit to this healing work, the less the less toxicity we're going to bring into our life. So identifying our, our patterns or our toxic patterns and behaviors. When we identify these patterns, we can start to, to connect more with the shadow. What, what in us is creating these patterns? So for the young boy, maybe he notices he cannot hold a serious romantic relationship. But once he starts doing the healing work on himself, he might begin to connect to that part of himself that he sees, wow, I don't give myself permission to be vulnerable in relationships. And therefore, I don't have successful relationships. I always pull out or someone always exits it because I'm not being vulnerable. That's in a way of identifying the shadow self. Anytime you connect to the ego, you're that much closer to connecting to the shadow. So through that self-awareness episode, you're going to make contact with your ego and it's then going to lead you to your shadow. So that's another way you can really connect more to the ego. So looking at our patterns of behavior. Identifying triggers. Triggers are reflections of deep, unresolved wounds within ourselves. It can be from an actual traumatic event, or it can be from the continual 
denial of parts of ourselves, that in itself is trauma because you're rejecting a part of yourself. When you reject your a true part of yourself, you're causing dis-ease and disempowerment within yourself. So identifying these triggers, your triggers are your greatest teacher. Notice when the triggers come up and do not attach judgment or shame because you're being triggered, but try to just hold space for it. Be open. Embodying this, this way of being open is a really great way to do healing work with releasing judgments and shame because then we just allow space. We don't perpetuate the ego. We don't cast a bigger shadow. The ego, again, I've mentioned multiple times is all based around ego or is all based around judgment and labels So trying to release that is a way of integrating our shadow. Connecting more with your childhood and childhood experiences. Looking back, when did you first feel disempowered? When did you first feel that you denied a part of yourself? Where do you feel yourself holding back in your current life experience? Projections. Projections is another huge way to identify and integrate the the shadow. The way we project our beliefs onto others. Where do you feel the most in need of wanting to control a situation or troll other control others? Where do you feel that you have the most judgment on others and yourself? These can be really revealing to the shadow self. Projections of the ego. And part of that is where do you place blame on others? Part of projections can also be deflection. So where are you deflecting or placing blame on others without taking ownership of self? When Where we have tendencies to deflect, usually there's part something within ourselves that we're denying or we're not allowing ourselves to connect with. So when we, when we identify that, we can start to integrate the ego. Part of that is interrupting patterns. So doing the actual work involves interrupting these patterns. And this goes back to what I said about it's not going to be comfortable because you're going to have to really confront the ego in order to do this work. And the ego has conditioned us. It's it's a part of ourselves that conditioned to feel safe and it and is attached to false senses of security. So for an example, someone who's very confident and outspoken, they haven't felt safe being confident and outspoken because of the how they were received by others. So they denied that part of themselves. They, But by doing that, they've continued to feel disempowered because they're not giving themselves permission to express themselves authentically. So for that person, a way they can interrupt that pattern is the next time they feel the urge that they want to, you know, use their voice and be heard and be seen, um, to, to interrupt that part of themselves that wants to hold back and is, 
is rejecting that urge. So to interrupt that and then give themselves permission, hey, I am going to speak up. I am going to raise my hand in this meeting. And embrace the discomfort that comes with stepping outside of the ego. And with then, a little bit more light is shed onto the shadow. And then a, a little bit more of empowerment comes in to play for this person. For the young boy who has trouble in relationships because of his emotional sensitivities being repressed. Next time you reach that point in a relationship where things get tough. And it requires vulnerability and holding space for your emotional expression. Interrupt the pattern that wants you to pull away and pull out of that relationship and sit in it. Express yourself. This is how we integrate the shadow. This is how we do the shadow work. Investigating the childhood experiences and asking yourself, when did I first feel X, Y, or Z? I also mentioned going back and listening to the self-awareness and acceptance podcast. Those are two huge pieces of integrating this, the shadow and doing the work journaling, just allowing fluid expression to reveal what is unconscious. When we journal, we're allowing the unconscious mind to just roll out onto pages. Meditation. When you go into a practice of meditation, it will relax the mind into theta brain waves, which allows the unconscious to be accepted more easily. These are all ways that you can do this shadow work and integrate the shadow. We've already covered so much today on this podcast. It goes so much deeper because again, the unconscious is, is vast. We are, there's so much of the unconscious that guides and moves us, but this is the first, this is the intro to shadow work. This is what's going to connect us to the shadow that has been cast in this lifetime through childhood. Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, the shadow goes much deeper. It goes into ancestral traumas. It goes into past lives when which we come here with. We come here already having a denied a part of our soul's expression, maybe a part of a past life that our soul was not able to be fully expressed. I will cover those aspects of the shadow self in much more detail and further episodes. I really just wanted to connect the shadow self to the work that we did in episodes two and three so everyone can really start to identify and connect more with this work. Like always, I love the feedback. I love hearing from everybody. Come and follow me on my Instagram, feel the heel with with Daisy, feel the heel dot with Daisy on Instagram. Comment, like, share, and I'd love to hear from you. Thank you healers for joining me on this episode and I can't wait to see you back on our next episode. Take care everyone and feel the heal.